2: welcome welcome to another episode of punt intended a fantasy nba dynasty podcast i am your host rhett bauer coming to you today with his first punt intended appearance but not his first sports ethos dynasty appearance is mark camaro mark how are you doing today
3: i'm doing great this is the off season for the nba a little bit of downtime but for us dynasty enthusiasts it's really the time of the year where you make deals you find those values and you really start getting excited for the season so excited to be on here
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, if you need to say it twice, you can. That is the theme going around right now. If you need to reiterate something, you just go ahead and do it, Uh, whether it's somebody being a liar or dynasty offseason, not really being an offseason. We are here today to talk about the weekly pun intended startup that I just uh, created and ran through the draft finally got done with. And uh, Mark, did that seem like it took forever for you?
3: it didn't seem like it it did take quite a okay, while but right. yeah i know i'm definitely a deliberate drafter and i definitely will debate between some of my picks in those early rounds so i contributed to that as well no I, a, it took yeah, a long time
2: i'm in the same boat i i almost always like i have a queue set and then when i'm on the clock i completely just, everything that i thought about putting effort into the queue just completely goes away and i rethink everything so i definitely contributed to that but man in the 300s like you probably don't need to be online in the draft room for three hours. Like uh, that's fine. Yeah. It, well, we got through it. It's the off season. There's nothing else to do, but uh, we were just looking forward to getting this league finally started. So uh, we did a weekly league uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar. It is a, format where you don't set your lineup except once a week. So on Monday, when you set your lineup, that will be your lineup for the week. So there's a little bit of strategy with games played. Sometimes there's a little bit of strategy with like injury prone guys or coming into a week where a guy is questionable for Monday night's game. And then you're like, well, if he's he's got four games that week but he's out on monday questionable for wednesday and then he's got a back-to-back friday saturday how many games can i count on him to play and so there's definitely some different strategies that go into weekly versus daily leagues especially in a 30 team where depth is very hard to come by mark did this format first off have you done a weekly league in 30 team before and if you have or, or haven't regardless what draft strategy did you come into this with versus a daily league
3: so yeah right especially with the weekly setting as you said factoring in those games played or players who might maybe try to manage nagging injuries but end up having to miss a game here there i think them a little bit but they didn't didn't really change my player tier rankings it was more of a tiebreaker for me and especially with so many players today are load managed and rested for various injuries with so many of these players, especially the players who are valued value now, those tend to be older players. So it's almost a wash across the board in some regards. Obviously, players like Tatum or Anthony Edwards, who they're still young, and they almost make it a point to play almost every game. They maybe get a little more value, but it didn't really change my mindset too much. This, the aspect that we start seven players each week, two guards, two forwards, a center, and two flex spots – You know, that means over 30 teams, that's 210 players started a week. That is a lot of players to be starting in a 30-team league. And so that almost factored in some of my drafting a little more and placing a little bit of emphasis on players who can give me that production now instead of just holding rookies or even later stashes for the future.
2: Yeah, I, I typically like to have a bigger starting lineup, but also still having a decent bench with minor flexibility as well. I think that leagues that have small starting lineup, like there's definitely a balance to be struck, right? Cause you don't want to have it be, you've got five starters and then you've got 15 bench players. Cause then you can just keep consolidating to five starters. And then you have a ton of studs and you've got guys that have 15 first round picks spread out across 3 years and don't have a single player ranked inside the top 150 um for dynasty rankings because they just want to rebuild and that just kind of I feel like the the separation in the league uh gets pretty drastic at a certain point point. and so I've, I have it to I think I have 6 starters in the pun intended daily league. I'm in a league that does 5. I'm in a league that does uh seven and eight. And so I just, I wanted to have it kind of in the middle there. So that way it was a just another point of reference, trying to see maybe if there is a better way to do it and for any leagues moving forward. And yeah, the durability point for me, um, durability and depth is pretty crucial for me in a 30 team weekly league, because if I have a guy that I can't count on to play that week, I have to have a replacement already on my team, right? Like I'm not going to the wire and picking somebody up to play that week. Like maybe I, maybe I can get Daniel Tice to give me one good game at a three in a week. And that's just not going to cut it if your team is trying to be good. So I definitely steer clear of some of the more injury prone players in a 30 team off the bat i'm not drafting those players i am usually going to be the one trading for those players in some sort of consolidation move when they're inevitably hurt and i can get them at a discount add them to my core rather than relying on them as my core if that makes any sense
3: no that definitely makes sense and you know it's the old adage uh you buy low and you sell high (laughs)
2: Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt there. All right. So draft strategies didn't really change all that much. Starters definitely mattered, but um, we can actually get into the draft here. And we didn't have to get very far into the draft to get to some talking points because I did something that I would almost never do. And I went crazy at the first pick and I took Victor Wimbanyama. And no one really was expecting that. And I wouldn't recommend that for anybody. Except I have a feeling I had a feeling when I had like when I popped up first overall, which those of you in the daily league, you know, I got first overall in that league as well. I don't, I don't understand how that works. Yeah. You can, you can (laughs) say I recorded it. Like you can, whatever. Um, But I took Victor first overall because I wanted to see what sort of trade offers I would get. And I, so during the draft, I disabled trades unless players were already drafted. And the point to that was in so many startups, I see, oh, I'll definitely trade you my first round pick for my third and fifth round pick. And then you look at it, it's like, wait, you just traded Devin Booker for Devin Vassell and, you know, Dyson Daniels like that doesn't really check out to me at all. So I made sure that the players had the, the picks had a player assigned to them and I wouldn't push a trade through until it did. So I haven't done any trade discussions, really. Uh, I've, I've had some discussions, but I haven't uh, obviously accepted anything. But I think I made the right choice, though, as good as Jokic is, it'll be f- Fun to see what ends up happening with if I end up pulling off a Victor trade because my team is kind of weird.
3: Yeah, that was definitely a surprise to me. I I can't blame me for wanting Wembenyama and seeing what he could do or seeing what you know he returned. You could get in a trade for him. He's that exciting of a player and that exciting of a fantasy asset. I would still have Jokic as a clear cut number one.
2: But so let me say I have Luca in one league and I have Jokic in two other leagues. Okay. Diversity. So I spread it out. Exactly. Not to right. be, It's not boring to have the best fantasy player on the planet on your team, but like also you only have one shot to get a guy like Victor with the hype that's going around.
3: Exactly. I, so I blame you a little bit, but not too much. It made my decision at three uh, pretty easy. I was actually going to be debating pretty hard between Wembenyama and Halliburton due to that. I think Wenbenyama might be managed uh, games, managed a little bit, uh, minutes managed a little early on. And I kind of wanted to go to a more win now uh, pattern in team. And so I was actually very hard debating Wenbenyama or Halliburton. And then Luca fell into me at three and then clicked draft <laughs> and went from there.
2: Yeah, that, that definitely makes things pretty easy. And it's always funny when you're in those startup drafts and you you have your queue and it you like look at it, it's like, man, this guy was third on my board and I'm getting him at nine, which is is always so fascinating. But in in a 30 team, especially when we're at the turn like we are, like you you get your one and then your second shot, and then it's 60 picks till you go again. So if you want a guy, you kind of have to get him. And there's always a hard balance between, okay, do I reach for the guy that I want or do I take the actual value that is here in front of me? And that's definitely something that I struggled with throughout this draft as I was uh, sitting there with Victor and then ended up taking Jalen Green at 60, which I then uh, ended up trading, but we'll, we'll get into that. So of the first round, besides my pick, What else stood out to you among whether in a value perspective or a reach perspective?
3: Yeah. So touching on your point where in a 30 team startup draft, you are going to have to target the players that you want and go for them. If you want to draft them. I think we saw that throughout this first round. No doubt. Uh, We saw, I mean, scoot go at 13 to team super duper and who ended up, parlaying that into kind of this young youthful potential strategy for the rest of the draft and then we saw some values i think slip um we saw carl anthony towns go to jason's team at 25 which i think was great value there anthony davis going to 29 to master of none who paired that with kevin Durant at 32 which i think is just a great start for a team that's looking to go all in now
2: as long as you aren't
1: worried about games played
3: no i mean why would you be worried about that in fantasy? But that was the major major thing I saw um, throughout kind of these early rounds. Um, people going for their guys, and bo- if they believed in a guy or a prospect or maybe a younger player, they went for them.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I I can't fault anybody for it. Two of the picks that I didn't really like, and it's more of a like I like to be certain with my first couple picks in a in a dynasty league in most cases, like okay. I know I took Victor. So like, obviously I'm talking about being certain, but then I have it like, there's, there's being certain. And then there's like, okay, we're pretty certain. Like, but taking McCall bridges at 21, Larry legend, Hey, you could be right. You could absolutely be right. I'm just not willing to bump a guy up like 30 spots, 20 to 30 spots from last year. Based on, like, I don't know what uh, Matt Lawson's ADP says, but that's 20, 30 spots for a guy in Bridges that, man, that's a that's a really, really big jump. Those are some high expectations set for him to continue, not just continue what he did last year, but also build on it. And then Zion going at 22, which on value, no problem with the pick. But Bam, Sabonis, Towns, and Anthony Davis all going after Zion makes it really tough when the skill sets are about the same or like at least comparable with like 1% of the risk, other than Anthony Davis's case. I can kind of get that one, the same injury risk. But what did you think about Bridges and Zion going 21 and 22 with some of the other names on the board?
3: So, with McCall Bridges, and I wrote an article for Sports Ethos on this about his time in brooklyn and i honestly nothing looked super out of line for me yes it was only i believe 29 games post trade deadline but that team was still trying to win they were still competitive and bridges has kind of increased his usage and kept his percentages about the same across different areas of the court so it was still a little high for me you know and really with those first round guys i want someone who i know can be the centerpiece of my fantasy team and McCall Bridges' stats that doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. I don't think it was as gross an overreach as, you know, 20 to 30. I added more 10 to 20 range, but it, it still was a little little low in the value for me. And then the Zion pick, same reasons you said, it's and as I alluded to, it's not necessarily someone I would feel comfortable with in that 30 team where these rounds, early rounds, these are part of your core, and these are your core guys. I don't know if I trust Zion to be that. Um, he did pair, or he or she, they, paired uh, Zion with Josh Giddy then with his second round pick, which I think is an interesting upside option with Zion, that stats that could work together. But again, that's another pick where you're hoping giddy uh, pans out, keeps up that usage, and keeps up those counting stats.
2: Yeah, you definitely set a build there with those first two picks, which you know you're going to do with Zion, right? Like in a 30 team, you are never going to be able to offset the threes and the free throw percentage that Zion brings, and the defensive stats too, really. But so I get that part of it. Um, and, you know, it, it, again, we, we just, we just said it, Larry legend, you were picking at 21. Was there a chance you were going to get Mikhail bridges at 40? No, there really wasn't like there, it, It would have been extremely unlikely for him to get all the way to 40 with the hype that's surrounding him. So I don't, I don't fault you for it at all. I think there was better values on the board, but Hey, I took, the guy that I wanted over the better values on the board. So go get your guy. No, no faults there at all. Moving into the second round. This is where it got a a little bit more interesting in the second round. Uh, Walker Kessler went 34 to Noah Rubin, which I think is too much, but he paired him with Laurie Markkinen. And so that's first off the, starting front court for the Jazz, which I think is funny, and also like rock solid into a punt assist build. But uh, so that one's definitely stood out to me. Um, Steph Curry going at 36 to Jason, um, who took Towns at 25, which was the most predictable pick. If any of you know Jason, like once I saw the board fall the way it did, I was like, oh, Jason's definitely going to end up getting Towns at 25. I didn't expect him to get – Curry at 36 and then Kawhi at uh, 66 as well. But that's just uh, that's just how that it's as predictable as it gets. Uh, Shingoon at 37 was interesting. I think that's about right. Uh, well, Houston Rockets fan chime in on Shingoon at 37. What do you got?
3: Oh, I might be the atypical Rockets fan here. And I've gotten into little debates on Twitter about him.
2: All right. That's why you're allowed to be on the show for for just for clarity <laughs> because I also would get in those arguments.
3: Yeah, I I do doubt Sengun's ability to be a high minute center on a good team. His per minute stats are obviously very tantalizing. I love his passing vision and display. I mean, honestly, I don't think it's a stretch to say he's a the second best passing big right now, with Jokic being one, and then. You might have uh Sengoon's a bonus and Draymond Green and that two, three, four tier. But I I don't, don't know. I think his defensive shortcomings are going to hinder him a little bit and will lead to you know maybe a 28 minutes per game ceiling, which granted, he was at that minutes last year, but the Rockets seemed pretty excited to try to get Brook Lopez his past offseason. I think that speaks volumes as to how they see Sen Sengoon's role going forward. And if you don't see the minutes, you're not going to see that per minute value. As yeah. much fun as he is to watch.
2: Yeah. And, and I mean, he bench press paired Sabonis and Shingun together, which I think is just fascinating. And that does lend itself to one of the strategy things, right? Because if mm-hmm. you have five starters, are Sabonis and Shingun, are they getting forward designation? Who the heck knows with fan positions? But probably not. Sabonis have forward, uh, does have
3: forward eligibility. does. Why? So.
2: But he does so like in that case you know what that's coming so it at least gives you a little bit of flexibility but we have two flex spots so you can draft two centers off rip and not have to worry about it too much um a lot of there's one league 30 team don't do point guard shooting guards small forward power forward center don't do it do guard forward that's just A a rant for another day. Moving on, uh, Kyrie Irving at 42, Damian Lillard at 41. Both of those I found interesting. I would have thought that they would have been in opposite directions by about 5 to 10-ish picks. Um, Maybe built in some Dame Lillard trade regression there and bumped up Kyrie because in a 30 team, he can be a phenomenal asset, especially when paired with Devin Booker um, like uh Memphis Hustle did, I believe that's Hunter. Um, and then what else? What else stood out? Uh Team Super Duper, like you said, going rookie heavy. Brandon Miller going at 48 is that could be about right, right? Like, I mean, I, I'm I don't know how you feel about Brandon Miller as a dynasty asset, but that that's not the worst. Like a man went ahead of him, so the only other argument as far as rookies go would have been a SAR, who went like it's four picks after. So what do you what do you think about Brandon Miller at forty eight?
3: Yeah, I have Miller and Asar Thompson pretty close. Almost, I think actually back to back in my ranking, so mm. you know it's a toss up there. Yeah, and you can see the vision with Miller. You can see some of the on ball stuff he did, and hey, playmaking wing with usage that's going to be fantasy gold if he can continue that and yeah. continue that development in the NBA. I am not hundred percent sold on it. I also worry about his rim finishing. And his ability to get into the lane. So I don't know, this is a little early for me, but again, um, as we said earlier, team super duper had a vision. He went Scoot, then he went Brandon Miller. So he stuck to that vision, getting those youth and prospects. And if that upside hits, that's going to be a scary team.
2: Yeah, no doubt. It'll probably take a little bit to see on both of those, but you know, it's Dynasty for a reason. We're not looking at one-year sample size or hopefully to be building on this league for many years to come. The very next pick, though, is one that I would not recommend. Jordan Poole at 49. I know we're excited. That we, the fantasy community, I am not. The fantasy community is excited about Jordan Poole's 35 shots a game that he's going to get in Washington. It seems like we're all we should be equally as certain that that is not the role he's going to have on a good team. Maybe he's one of those guys that's just like he in in like a Julius Randle situation. Julius Randle has way too many minutes, way too much usage. He would not have that on a good team. The Knicks don't really care about being great. They care about being okay and being like right in the middle there. And so they're good giving him all that.
3: Are you saying a second-round Eastern Conference team isn't a good team, Rhett? Uh,
2: I don't know if you see all these Pacer jerseys behind me. Uh, I'm I'm very, very uh, anti-second round of the playoff, absolute butt-whooping, uh, because you decided to try to win 45 regular season games with a team that didn't have a chance. No. Um, but, you know, Jordan Poole will probably return this value this year, right? And so he's young enough, so maybe there's – he learns enough from this experience with this much usage and this much responsibility and this much freedom that that returns great value. And in the middle of the, in the middle of the second round, you're not going to get a chance. you probably not getting a chance to get him back. So I get it. Chicago black I get it. But I th- like Dejounte Murray went immediately after him, Jalen Brunson, Asar Thompson, James Harden went 53, Jabari Smith, Vassell, Levine, Jalen Green. Like there was a lot of guys I would have taken ahead of Jordan Poole. But if you see it with Jordan Poole, then then that's a perfectly justifiable pick.
3: Mm-hmm. For sure. And one pick I want to talk about too is Kristaps Christop- Przingis at 55. Yeah. I know the plantar fasciitis news came out early today that he's going to be resting and rehabbing that a little bit, but mm-hmm. I had him higher in the rank in my rankings for this yep and as he kept dropping i'm gonna go on a mini rant here but i saw him dropping and i didn't want to get too excited that he was going to follow me i would have loved pairing him and luca i think that would have been a great
2: two-man start somebody should do a jersey photoshop of that that'd be that'd be crazy yeah it, it
3: might be hard to do though i don't know if i can find pictures of that <laughs> but <laughs> as he kept dropping i kept my hope kept building and then Boston the long i believe adam is his name yep snatched him up there and then i i was so hopeful and i got so down then i was like oh now i gotta pick zach levine a couple picks later but i was already picturing luca and christophe leading me to the to the semifinals
2: at least yeah so uh the the lamello ball Chris has forzingis pairing is gonna be a good one as long as uh forzingis's plantar fasciitis situation doesn't get worse um playing at That sucks. I don't know if anybody has ever had it, but it's it's rough. Uh, OKC Prestige just kept drafting. He basically just was taunting me the entire time uh, by drafting Halliburton at five and then Devin Vassell at 56. He just drafted all the guys that I wanted. Um. Obviously, I wasn't going to take Halliburton number one overall. I'm not that much of a homer, but Facel is a guy that I absolutely wanted at sixty. Didn't get him. Um. You know, there. I I really like that pick. I think that's going to be excellent. Shaden Sharp going at fifty seven. I think is interesting, but not really that crazy because we had a third round reversal. So Chicago Zephyrs, I think is how you pronounce that had pick 57 and then their next pick was going to be 87. So again, zero chance that he's still going to be there all the way down to 30 picks off. So I I get that part of it. So you took Zach Levine at 58 to pair with Luca. I already mentioned it. I took Jalen Green at 60 to pair with Wimby and I struggled with this because Jalen Green is typically the player type that I don't love. But that level of scoring, like I just think, I think that level of scoring and that level of athlete, like we're kind of seeing it with Anthony Edwards, right? And they're different body types, they're different players. But Anthony Edwards was not efficient when he started, and then all of a sudden he wasn't a, he wasn't a great fantasy player when he started first couple of years. Then all of a sudden he got steals, and voila, he's he's an awesome fantasy player. And I think Jalen green could kind of be in a similar boat on a team that doesn't expect him to do literally everything. And that's kind of what we're going to see this year. But then I went ahead and traded Jalen green later on in the draft for, uh, John Collins, Ben Simmons and Taylor Hendricks while I added B ball, Paul and Quentin Grimes on my side. So I had said it before. I wanted depth. I don't love Jalen green, but I've really, I wish I could take back that trade already because uh, I just, I wish I had more up star upside on my team, and I just don't.
3: Yeah, that was the comment I when I saw that trade was. It, it's honestly, I think was a pretty balanced trade. and It's a very interesting trade, especially coming right off a startup where, yeah, I mean values are probably relatively similar across the board. But as you said, I think you. Lost the highest ceiling player there, mm-hmm. but I personally don't rate Jalen Green getting there, so I don't, I don't hate that idea of, yeah. cashing. I don't want to say cashing out, but getting some maybe assets or pl- players that can uh, maybe improve their stock a little bit this year.
2: I might have just made bad bets though, right? Like with John Collins, Ben Simmons, and I love Taylor Hendricks. Like uh, that was mm-hmm. that was hard for me, but like those two could just not pan out, and then I'm stuck with Hendricks for Green.
3: Right, exactly. I mean, you could
2: see Collins and Simmons
3: maybe settling in as just 100 to 120 players somewhere in that range, and Hendricks not panning out, and suddenly you maybe lost a lot of that value. You can also see the flip side where Collins, Simmons, and Hendricks all have moments and start really capitalizing on the fantasy potential that we've seen them have, or we think they can have, and suddenly you traded the supposed best player and got three very solid players and yeah. as we said towards the beginning we're starting seven players getting yeah. three players that could easily be top 100 plus fantasy assets is pretty insane
2: yeah yeah and and like that's definitely the way i was looking at it it was kind of buy, buying low on like you know i don't know if it was last year It was definitely two years ago but the argument would, could have been John Collins at sixty, Ben Simmons would have been gone for twenty picks by sixty, and so that was kind of the way I was looking at. it. It's like, all right, I get depth, I get the, like they're relatively young. I'm buying low a bunch, and so that's just kind of where we where we ended up. So while we're here, we kind of we finished up the second round. I want to talk about some trades that came through Booker and Dame for Scotty Barnes and De'Aaron Fox. That happened immediately after the Fox pick, so they they waited until the picks were made. But what do you think about that swap?
3: I thought it was interesting. It was uh, pretty clear, more youth and potential-oriented for a win-now trade. Mm-hmm. When now getting Booker and Dame, who that's a great pairing. You're going to get elite points, elite free throw percentages, elite assists with some other goodies here and there, and that's that's your guard set for the next probably two to three seasons and setting you up for contention. But Scotty and Fox project really well together. I think too, if Scotty can see his on ball usage and creation really shoot up and develop that ability more him and Fox together, you're going to get points. You're going to get assists, probably good field goal percentage there. And Scotty should hopefully start seeing his stocks increase in the next couple seasons. That's a really good base to work off of and could be a really good base for your fantasy team to build with maybe a sort of a punt angle build there. Um, you can build off that base for the next couple of years.
2: Yeah, for sure. And then the probably the most controversial trade so far in the league that people did not like, but I I got it. Amen Thompson for Miles Turner and Cam Whitmore. And the reason that this was so controversial was that Amen Thompson was drafted 38. Miles Turner was drafted 40. Cam Whitmore was drafted, I believe, 110. I think that's the number that sticks in my head. Uh, 111. And so the argument, like the actual argument, was about what the heck, why was 38 traded for 40 and 111? I don't think you can look at it that way. I don't think that's the right way. Like, yes, we just finished the startup. So technically, yes, that is the trade that happened but I don't think that's an unfair trade at all, especially if you believe in Amin Thompson.
3: Well, if it was pick 110, it would be completely unfair, but I'm just joking with that. But no, I I agree. I don't think just looking at pure pick value is the best way to look at it. It is one way, and I'm not going to fault someone for looking at it that way. But I think it is a lot for Amin Thompson, but the manager said in our Discord chat for the league that he believes in Amin a lot, thinks he could be, second I believe the second best guy in this draft class which is saying a lot with this draft class and you know he went and got his guy he wanted him it seemed like he got sniped on on him and he you know basically threw in I don't want to call Whitmore a flyer but you know it could take some time for Whitmore to actually see production relevant to expectations so Almond could clearly be the best fantasy player in this trade and in three years it could look silly that oh I'll take with Miles Turner and Cam Whitmore so It's not something I would have done. I think you probably could have fought to get a little more value back on Amon using that pick value argument, but he went and got his guy. And so we'll see if it pans out for him.
2: I think too, it could potentially be a sell high on miles, right? Like he has been, I guess, kind of in the same pick range for a while for startups and is coming off a career year where the team was bad and now they just brought in a couple more front court players that they are going to be heavily invested in. Right. So there's a chance that, yeah, this looks bad because miles Turner was drafted 40, but next year, if he ends up reverting back to his career averages, or he goes to a situation where he's not, he doesn't get nearly as many shots and his ADP drops down to 52, then you're kind of looking at a steal because you got an elite young prospect guard for an a 28 to 29 year old big man who's pretty inconsistent hasn't always been super healthy and a flyer in Cam Whitmore that 20 teams in the NBA didn't want to take with their first round draft pick for whatever reason so there's definitely i think there's definitely argument in both ways and I like it For both teams, they both seem pretty happy with it. Uh, Larry Legend traded for Amen and paired him with Mikael Bridges. And Atlanta Thrashers uh, had Bam Adebayo, and so now has Bam, Miles, and Cam Whitmore, along with a couple other death pieces later on in the draft as we go through it. So,
3: Just wanted to touch base on that aspect where you said both managers are happy with it. I think at the end of the day, when for fantasy, it's fun. I mean, we're all trying to win. And we may not like certain trades that happened, but both managers seemed very happy with the trade. So at the end of the day, if they're happy with it, it seems reasonable enough. Awesome.
2: Yeah, exactly. I I don't know. There's There's been a couple leagues that have had trades that people have been rather vocal about. Um, and I don't like that. I like league discussion. I like gentle ribbing. I like poking fun at people. But I usually try only to do that with people that I'm familiar with. Like if I don't know you and I come across like, wow, you got fleeced. That's just, we're on Discord, man. Like that's not going to come across super great. And so it's like, wow, what the heck is that deal? Well, could be a bit more tactful there or not. I don't know. It's just a pet peeve of mine is, blasting trades, especially when they haven't been processed yet. Like they haven't been executed. They're just sitting there pending. Um Yeah. Don't, don't talk about trades that aren't finalized yet. Um Yeah. So that's, that's kind of first two rounds, plus some of the trades that have come through. We will do a part two of this cause we got really long winded. Uh, We'll do part two of this where we, we give grades for who had the best Uh, rounds one through four five through eight and nine through 13 as sort of tiers so that way we're not going into the best round by round because that would just be one pick and that would take forever but uh beyond that mark you said you're just about finished with your dynasty rankings right are you going to be putting those on sports ethos here soon
3: Yes, I will, Rhett. Thank you for bringing that up, uh, putting, putting the final touches on those, going through just making sure all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, and I'll be sending that through shortly just for a quick look over, and those should be published uh, probably pretty soon here. So it's been a really fun ordeal, and I started doing it during this draft startup. These Those rankings took longer than this draft startup took. I, date. The date started with July 2023, and it's now mid-August, so
2: they take forever the amount of work that goes into it uh especially in the midst of life is uh, something that i always underestimate i'm like oh yeah i can definitely do that and then i look it's like oh that's been 3 weeks and i've been i've touched it every single day and it's still not done like that's not That's not great, but we are working on it. I am updating mine as well. I'm probably going to go through and do all of the rankings and not touch the blurbs. Just going to get the numbers out there, get the data out there and let you guys run with that as some startups are probably going on. We've got some rookie stuff coming out as well. Be on the lookout for that and then be on the lookout for part two of this where we go through... uh, group rounds and give grades for that uh, you can find me on twitter at ret underscore bauer and find the podcast at punt intended pod mark what is your twitter handle
3: it is at
2: macattack one four five there you go follow mark he does great stuff he's very responsive on twitter if i can't get to something um he's on it and usually we we go back and forth in your comments and blow your notifications up for a little bit um and then he's also like he said he put out something great with mikhail bridges put out a couple other things i believe that have been excellent and i love having extra dynasty stuff out there so go follow him go follow the show go follow um sports ethos as a whole make sure you are have notifications on for that fantasy pass that will be coming soon draft guide is coming out it's gonna be a doozy in a Good way in the best kind of way uh, is going to be information overload, which for me isn't a thing because I love this sort of stuff, but uh, it's you're definitely getting some quantity there for the price. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you again next time.